Welcome to episode 10 of the Jedi Temple Archives podcast. There is more knowledge here than anywhere else in the galaxy. Only members of the Jedi Council are allowed access. Guarding the holocrons is one of the most important duties a Jedi can be given. Do you think you're up to the task? fans and welcome to another episode of the Jedi Temple Archives podcast. My name is Rob and I'm your host and we are recording this episode on Sunday, May 12th, 2019, uh, Mother's Day. So in honor of Mother's Day, uh, one of the things that we wanted to do was to have an episode where we kind of focused on the women of the Star Wars universe. And uh, in order to help me with that, I have a couple of returning guests to the show, uh, Tom and Michelle from the Hyperion Adventures podcast. Tom, Michelle, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having us, Rob. Great to be with yeah. you again. Yeah, and Michelle, happy Mother's Day. Oh, thank you so much. Appreciate it. <laughs> no problem. Please pass the same along to Kim. Yes. Will do, will do. And I appreciate you guys taking time out of your day. I know you've got a bit of a hectic schedule over there <laughs> as well. So uh, we will just jump right into our main topic. Uh, you know, when you look at the Star Wars universe uh, and all the films that have come out, as well as some of the books and animated series, uh, there are really a lot of strong female characters within the Star Wars universe. I think the one that probably jumps to mind uh, for most people is Princess Leia, uh, portrayed so well by Carrie Fisher through both the original trilogy as well as the sequel trilogy that has been going on. And, and I know that they're going to actually have her. Uh, returning through a series of unused clips that J.J. Uh, Abrams had uh, left over from The Force Awakens. Uh, but certainly beyond just Princess Leia, there are a number of other women uh, within the Star Wars universe who definitely jump out as being strong characters. And uh, we just kind of wanted to have a little discussion to talk about who our favorites were and, and kind of what put them on the list. So uh, without further ado, we will jump into that. And, uh, you know, Tom and Michelle, who who would be some of the characters that jump out for you guys? Well, I mean, you mentioned it right off the bat. Princess Leia, General Leia, uh, Senator Leia. She just did so much. Uh, basically, was arguably the biggest hero within the Star Wars universe, at least within the Skywalker saga. Uh, but, you know, she's dedicated her life to helping do what she felt was right throughout the universe, whether it be as, as a princess, a senator, a general. Throughout her life, she wanted to make sure that what happened is what she felt was the correct way of action for the Republic, for the universe. Right. And Michelle, I mean, do you have any thoughts on, on General Leia, Senator Leia? As Tom pointed out, she wore a lot of hats. She uh, did. Seem, yeah, seems to run in the family. Really. <laughs> yes, definitely. No, um, you know, I think I think he summed it up really, really well. Uh, there's so many sides of her, and it's interesting, even though it is a character in real life, you know, we've seen her from when she was, you know, in essence, a child, 18 years old, mm -hmm. and seeing her grow as an actress as well. So it's kind of funny to have the parallel of this character in Star Wars that we've really loved and been able to experience that with her, and then also been able to share kind of the life of Carrie Fisher, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I just think that that's a unique 
experience that you, that I, I can't think of other things that we can really say for that long of a time that we've had that s- same kind of experience. Yeah, I would agree. And she certainly, you know, fought her demons through her personal life. Right. And she always seemed to do that in a very public way. She kind of owned it and uh, tried to use that and often in a humorous way, sure. um, kind of as a way a, a way of making people aware of mental health issues. And it just she definitely took on that responsibility uh, and and the status that she had gotten from being in the Star Wars films uh, and, and leveraged that into some really positive things in her personal life as well. Yeah. Absolutely. And I remember in her um, stand up show her one woman show how she talked about that she was actually in one of the um, psychiatric journals about you know mental health issues but the picture they put of her is her as princess leia yeah (laughs) (laughs) you know you know it's it's kind of a little i I don't know tongue-in-cheek goes well with that but i mean it is interesting but yeah, and and like you said, as a character in Star Wars, she wore many hats, and she had a lot of depth to her. And her passing uh, just a couple of years ago uh, really inf- affected many people in and out of the Star Wars universe so much because of the fact that, one, you love the character of Princess Senator General Leia so much, but then also the person that Carrie Fisher was, that, that she was you know, out there trying to help people, but she was so forthcoming with everything, and she, she was... For many accounts, obviously, we've never met her, unfortunately, but, you know, that she was just a great person to be around, that she was so helpful and so wonderful to so many people that it just really affected so many people in so many ways when she passed away. Yeah, and it really is kind of unfortunate because, you know, we waited so long to have the sequel films made. And obviously, a big part of what we're dealing with in the sequel films is the passing of these characters Mm -hmm. within, within the movie franchise. And now... Carrie Fisher, uh, Peter Mayhew, we're having some of these the actors that were behind these characters actually passing uh, in real life as well. So I think that just kind of adds a little bit of emotional, another emotional level to it for the fans kind of as we walk into what is going to be the year where, you know, we're going to see our last Skywalker saga film. Yeah, every time she's on screen now, I, it really it does affect me in many ways. I still remember because uh, Rogue One came out right around the time that she she passed away. And when you, know, you see... I mean, obviously, it was a digitized uh, screening of her of her face in that film. But uh, when you first see her after wa- after watching that film, after she had just passed away, it's a little it's a little it was a little jolting at, at first. Absolutely. Um, so it certainly, you know, Carrie Fisher, Princess Leia is is going to be the first thing that jumps to mind, I think, for really any Star Wars fan. But there are definitely some other uh, female characters within the Star Wars universe that uh, had just as big an impact. And probably the 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 next one for me that that I would jump to and going back kind of to the original trilogy would be Mon Mothma, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. who was the, the leader of the rebellion. Yeah, she she took such a big role and took such a big risk because she was, you know, pretty big within the Senate there as a strong leader on her own right. But she kind of went behind the scenes, kind of snuck around, made these things happening within the rebellion while still trying to hold her status within the empire, essentially, to make sure that she can fight on both sides of it. Uh, She was just a huge voice in making sure that this rebellion happened and that things would turn out the way we needed them to. Yeah, certainly. And Michelle, obviously, you got something to say there as well. It was kind of interesting you went in that direction because I was going to go in another direction. But I, I, I love that choice of, as second. 
Yeah, and actually, I'm not necessarily doing them in any in any <laughs> given order. I I suspect I know what direction you were going to go, given that Tom just mentioned Rogue One. Right. Um, <laughs> well, that that too. Yeah, I actually had several, but uh... oh well. But uh, the other thing I would say about Mon Mothma is, for anyone who really got into watching Clone Wars mm-hmm. or Star Wars Rebels. Um, you know, she does kind of surface through some of those animated series as well. And you kind of see the process where she moves away from di- diplomacy and, you know, her attempts within the Galactic Senate with Bail Antilles to change the direction things are going and questioning all the power uh, Emperor Palpatine had been granted as part of the, the whole issue of the Clone Wars. And so once again, and I know Tom and I have both said this in prior episodes, but, uh, you know, if you really want to understand better what is going on in the films, if you take a chance chance to watch the Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels and those animated series, they really do a nice job of kind of adding those layers that really flesh out the characters. Right. Yeah. And if, if you, before Rogue One came out, if you'd only watched the Star Wars films, Mon Mothma only had a very small part before they went to go and do the attack on Death Star 2, essentially. Right. Uh, however, if you have watched the animated series, you know that she pops up in many different ways, uh, in ways to aid the rebels and even in the, within the Clone Wars themselves. So you get a little bit more depth. Uh, again, we, we you just mentioned it, Rob. We can't recommend enough. If you want to look at more depth within the Star Wars universe, there are some books out there, but definitely the easiest way to do it is to look at some of the animated series. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the gateway drug to Star Wars. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot easier you know a lot of people are more likely to watch an animated series than a book but once you kind of get hooked and you start to realize that there's all this additional detail uh, that you can get on the characters then the next step is to jump into the books and even in some cases the comics so mm-hmm. yes. um, certainly would recommend those um, the other thing you know in regards to Mon Mothma and specifically as it relates to Rogue One is it, again, gave you a chance to see a little bit more of her, because as Tom mentioned, you don't really see a whole lot of her in the original uh, trilogy films, Mm -hmm. but even the little bit you see of her within Rogue One, you kind of understand that she's she's approaching it from the angle of diplomacy, but she is certainly not hesitant to um, allow the militaristic actions to take place. I, you know, you can kind of see a little sly smile on her face. I was just going to say that. that yeah. I love I, that image is just like ingrained. It's it's awesome. I totally agree. And I mean, it gives you an idea. There's there's so many subtle layers to her character. Um, and I love the fact that just with one little, you know, slight tweaking of her, her, her uh, lips and a smile, she conveyed that to the fans that were watching. So uh, now, Michelle, I mean, who, who would you uh, throw forward as, as another strong female character within the Star Wars universe? Um, you know, again, in no particular order, but I think because um, maybe this one is a little bit more person, maybe more known is Osaka. Um, I thought she brought a lot of depth, a lot of strength in her character. Again, another one that we've seen start out maybe a little bit quirky, shyish, but really developed into a, a more wise uh, Jedi. And I, I, I thought she's amazing. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. And you're absolutely right. I mean, we see her go from uh, the very plucky, I guess, or, you know, kind of snippy. Here I go. There yeah, well, snip. Oh, yeah, yeah. man. How creative, honey. Yeah. Where did I come up with that <laughs> wow. one? Wow. Genius. Snippy. Yeah, she was, I mean, she was uh, fairly cocky as a Padawan, I right. guess I would say. Um, but she really grew into into that confidence throughout the series, uh, the Clone Wars series specifically. 
And then when you see her within uh, Star Wars Rebels, and I, I don't want to say too much to give stuff away, but by by late in that series, she really has settled into what you would expect to see from someone who is truly a Jedi, even though at that point she really wasn't. And she's a huge character within the Star Wars galaxy that, um, with any luck, we'll get to see more of in the future. Right. And if you want to learn more about her, one, go see the animated series. Go see Clone Wars. Go uh, go watch Rebels. Uh, but the, you had an episode just a few weeks back where we all were on and we focused on Ahsoka Tano and how important we feel that she is within the Star Wars universe. And even though she's not well known, at least it's not by anybody who's just only watched the films, she is a huge factor involved in what's happened throughout the Skywalker saga. And that's the crazy thing is, I mean, here you have a character who is one of possibly the most important people within the entire Star Wars galaxy. And so many fans who have only seen the movies don't even know she really exists out there. Uh, There were some articles really to that effect uh, once Star Wars Celebration wrapped up a few weeks ago. Um, And I I hope that more people are drawn to learn about her. I know that for us, we probably have a whole nother episode to do. We only kind of took it through the Clone Wars in episode four of this podcast, but there's still a ton to talk about in regards to Ahsoka Tano. And she is a very well-developed character um, that is worth getting to know. And by the way, I don't believe we're done with her as a character yet. I think there's more story to be told. We've already seen it in at least one book that's come out. I believe there's probably will be some more written. And I do believe that there's going to be something else coming in the near future that is going to involve Ahsoka in in some way, whether it be more looking at her in the past or uh, post uh, Return of the Jedi. Uh, we will it'll be interesting to see what happens true and i mean it, beyond just ahsoka i mean there's some characters that are tied to her um and i'm specifically talking about people that we met in rebels mm-hmm. um again another great reason for star wars fans to go out and check out those series because they're um there was the belief that really Luke Skywalker was the last of the Jedi um, throughout the entire original trilogy. And and for those who dig into the expanded universe, uh, you're going to find that that may not necessarily be the case. Right. Um, yeah. And Rebels, uh, talk about uh, a series with strong women in yes. it. Uh, there were some very strong women in Star Wars Rebels. That's true. <laughs> yep. I, you know, the the next one that was, you know, kind of sitting at the forefront of my mind was Hera Syndulla, who mm-hmm. is, again, a character from Star Wars Rebels. She's the captain of a ship called the Ghost. And in a lot of ways, I mean, she becomes a mother uh, kind of in the, the epilogue to that particular series uh, in reality. But really, throughout the series, she is the mother of the the crew of her ship. Um, and despite the fact, I mean, she's a fearless warrior. She's a huge character within um, the rebellion itself. But uh, there's so many layers to her. It's, it's really hard to express without giving too many spoilers. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean... I- and and I don't know if everybody would agree with me, but I I kind of found that she was kind of the conscience for people. She was like the Jiminy Cricket on that, that <laughs> ship. <laughs> Give a little Disney reference. I know, right? <laughs> you know, um, I, I think she was bold, but she also, you know, was good to analyze situations and maybe not always as quick to jump to a decision. I mean, the mother uh, tab that you had for her is, is very appropriate, as well as just kind of the commander of it all. You know, she kind of oversaw, even though that she had a, a Jedi within there and just, you know, various strong personalities kind of working with her. Uh, she really was 
held the reins for that small band of rebels together. And and she does make not really an appearance in the films. In, in Rogue One, you get a reference to her and a reference to their ship within it. So they're, they're, mm-hmm. they're paying a little homage to Star Wars Rebels within uh, Rogue One. But uh, I again, more stories to be told from her as well. Yeah, and don't forget the droid. I mean, they have a droid yes. on that ship yep. called Chopper. He even shows <laughs> he up. He makes an appearance, One, so. yes. Yeah, I mean, and with all of the Easter eggs that they had in Rogue One, uh, you know, Blue Milk references and some some uh, key characters, uh, you know, Pondo Baba and Dr. Evazan, who were the characters that accosted Luke in the cantina mm-hmm. in the original trilogy. Um, they had so many little Easter eggs in there. And then there's a whole nother batch of Easter eggs that uh, exist within that movie for people who had watched some of the uh, animated series. And so, again, if you're a fan of the Star Wars films, if you take the time to get to learn more about what what other offerings are out there um, with the animated series and some of the books, you will start going back and rewatching things and realizing that there were references dropped that just totally went over your head because you didn't know about them. So uh cannot express enough that that it is definitely worth digging into some of those no question yeah yeah Tom, did you have uh, anyone at the top of your list or, or that we hadn't talked about yet? Well, I mean, we're, since we're on Rebels, let's just stay with Sabine Wren. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, she's a Mandalorian who kind of was a little different Mandalorian. She's very artsy. <laughs> she like, decorated her armor with a different paint job. She did her hair a little differently. But and then she, you know, she was the one who kind of got in trouble within her planet, let some people uh, unknowingly, she aided some people and they kind of ended up taking over and kind of pushing her family out. She kind of had the ruling family in Mandalore. Uh, And and so she kind of got ousted a little bit. But, you know, she fought, she grew as a character. She ends up, even though she didn't really want it, uh, taking back the reins and trying to help right her people when when they were in trouble and while helping leading as a key member of what was the initial part of the rebellion, uh, she was a hugely strong character who didn't know she was strong to begin with, but grew so much as a character uh, throughout the series. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, as, as you were talking about that and talking about how she had been ousted from her family and uh, throughout the course of the, the Rebels series, they address a lot of that. But it's really interesting because when, when you talk about Star Wars, the first thing most people think of is Jedi, and the Jedi are not allowed to have a family. They're, you know, they're taken from their families at a very young age, and they don't grow up with all of those attachments. Um, but it's really interesting because Star Wars, really at every level, is about families. It's, mm-hmm. you know, you've True. got the Skywalker family, you've got all of these, uh, you know, Rogue One, that, you know, the group of them that come together, right. operate effectively as a family. And so family is a really strong theme within all the Star Wars universe uh, when, you know, the the core group of people you're thinking about generally don't have that. Really, I guess you could say the Jedi Order becomes their family. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, many, many ways. Yeah, right. uh, And definitely this group of in the Rebels uh, animated series, that was definitely a family. And they, they kind of grew together from different aspects. They're all very different personalities, as many families are. But they were able to unite together for this cause. And we talked about Hera. You talked about uh, uh, um, Sabine. Uh, they were just 
two big characters, two big parts of this family that grew together to help spark the rebellion. Right. You know, and going on with that family theme is they were all there to help support each other and they saw in each other more than what the individual felt about themselves. And I think that's why you can always see the development of these characters is because the, the ancillary characters around them are actually drawing that personality out from them. Yeah, I agree. Um, one of the characters that jumped into my mind as I was thinking about this, that again, a lot of folks who just watch the Star Wars films are not going to know much about, but uh, Asajj Ventress, who is Count Dooku's Sith apprentice. Um, you never really see this in any of the films. This is primarily through Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, but the interesting thing about her is it's one of those scenarios where you see someone who starts out uh, on the path to becoming a full Sith. And based on some things that happened to her throughout the Clone Wars, I mean, she ends up going in a very different direction. And that's an interesting uh, approach to take because you get to see a different kind of strength. You get to see someone who has basically forsaken so much in their life, and then they end up kind of putting their life back together after that. Um, and it's a story arc you don't really get to see much of in the movies. You get to hear about Darth Vader you know, being redeemed, and uh, who knows what's going to happen with Kylo Ren in the sequel films. But um, you know, this is another one of those times where you really get to see someone go the other direction. You don't see them falling to the dark side. You see them kind of emerging from it. Right. And, and, you know, we, we were just talking about how Star Wars is very much about families. And if you look at the light side uh, of the, the force, uh, so much of the people that are on the light side is very much family oriented. There's people surrounding, there's people supporting them. If you look at the dark side, it's always, you know, the rule of two. And, you know, so many people, they, they, they bring on, they say, we're going to, you know, you're going to help us out. We're going to groom you. We're going to be my apprentice. And then, of course, when, you know, the time comes, they are scorned and cast off. And it, it You know, so much for this father figure or this leader figure, you know, within that family. There is no family really on this. this, And that's, you know, you were just mentioning Darth Vader's, Anakin Skywalker's redemption. Uh, What draws him back? It's family that draws him back within it. So really, uh, Rob, it's a really great point as far as families within the Star Wars universe. Yeah, and that's that's actually an excellent point as well. Yeah, Michelle, I mean, have, well, sorry. I, oh, sorry. No, I no, mean, no I, I would agree with that, you know, and I think, you know, when you look at the dark side, it's like with any of us who have our own insecurities or demons and you have somebody who is is helping foster that. And it's not until you get a different perspective from somebody around you that, hey, it's not all that. And and I think that's what makes it interesting, like in that in that scenario is, hey, now I don't have to just focus on my demons or, or the things and just be bad, bad, bad. It's, you know, there is family and family can have so much different meaning to see something better in me. Right. And, you know, in that regard, that is typically what ends up happening to people who get isolated or they feel like they've become isolated uh, because they've done something or experienced something and they don't feel like anyone else can relate to it. And, you know, as Tom was saying with with the dark side, um, you look at Anakin's fall to the dark side. That's very much Mm -hmm. what Palpatine tried to tried to do, tried to have him do things that he wouldn't feel there was a, a way back from those. 
so that he felt like the only way forward was to, you know, continue along the path of the of the dark side. And it's really kind of interesting because you end up with, sure, maybe you do have limitless power, but you can't trust anybody. I mean, the right. whole thought behind the Sith is that you're out on an island and you know that you're training someone who's going to try to kill you when they get to that point. <laughs> right. Um, so it's it's very much as far away from family as you can get. Yeah, I just I, I think it's basically, and I never really thought about it up until this point until you brought this up about family, Rob. But that it really does spell out when you think about all these different characters and the situations they're put in, uh, as far as what side they fall on and where the family lies within right. it. Yeah, and I mean, again, going back to Anakin, I mean, it was very much he felt like the Jedi Order was coming down on him and wasn't respecting him, and you know, it's it's very much the story of every teenager that's ever rebelled against their parents right? <laughs> right very much very much not that any of us have ever experienced right. that. No. and boy was he the angsty teen I'll tell you. <laughs> right, right. i guess the rule is don't give your teen a lightsaber <laughs> here you go especially if they're a little emo uh, kylo ren <laughs> just a little little yes. um did you guys have anyone else that you thought should get mentioned i mean i think that certainly there are tons of uh, of women in the star wars universe that um bear bear noting and some are going to be better known than others but um i think we've hit on the primary ones that that were on my list i just didn't know if there were any others that we maybe had missed um i just had a couple of course my girl jenner so <laughs> oh my god i can't believe we didn't mention how can we not have mentioned jenner i was saving her to relish in that no she she's amazing you know and again this whole issue of family and and how um she started off with a, a great basis for her family and and that was taken away from her and you know it it kind of plays out that yeah she's you know she's still comfortable with going back and finally seeing her father and everything and obviously that would happen but um if any of us have known people who have for some reason was separated for their from their family and and how that may not always be that easy to feel that closeness and um, not to get political or anything, but, you know, I, I've had friends who, you know, for example, came from Cuba and their whole family couldn't come, that there were, there was family members that had to stay back at, who were maybe teenagers and how they felt, a, you know, kind of a resentfulness of having to be living life on their own or with other people that weren't their natural family. And I look at her, you know, and, and she's being raised by Saw and how, yes, yeah, she appreciates him and everything, but how she must have struggled with that, which would be kind of why you might see some of her dark side emerge as well. And I thought, it, you know, it's a real interesting character to have that kind of a conflict in her life. She's also gone through many of the arc that we were just talking about, both with uh, Ventress from one part and some of the other uh, characters we mentioned is that, you know, she was with this family and then she kind of had to, you know, go and hide out. And then she kind of got with the family with Saw Guerrera for a while, his group, which kind of family. And then he had to move on without her. And then she had to kind of go through this part where she just had to live independently and do her own thing and make her way through life until she finds this cause. And part of it is her family and her father, you know, and realizing that once she needs to try and save it, she's sending her a message personally to her. And but he she's also realizes what this means to the universe uh, and how much they they need to make this thing happen. And she pulls this other family together, which we talked about also right. already, the Rogue One family, essentially, that ends up 
getting the Death Star plan, spoiler alert, <laughs> and, and, and uh, you know, helping create what happens. It's just, it's an incredible character arc within basically just one film. It's, it's really amazing to see. Yeah, and that's actually one of the things I love the most about Rogue One. Not only was it uh, very much a Star Wars film in the vein of the original uh, Star Wars movie, what you know, that became known later as Episode Four, but uh, it was a, an amazing job of connecting you to an entire group of characters you'd never met before. And mm-hmm. actually, by the end of the film, you actually care what mm-hmm. happens to them. Yes. Um, so they built that family very quickly and invested the viewers in it. Um, I know there's some people that you know disagree or didn't feel that connection, but far more of the people that I talked to uh, felt like that they were successful with that. Um, and in regards to Saw Gerrera, it's it's kind of interesting because another character that if you've seen the films, you know a little bit about, but he's very much a political terrorist in, mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. But he's another character that you get to meet through the Clone Wars and the Star Wars Rebels series, and you see his entire character arc. You see him progress from... Uh, a young idealistic rebel who would have fit much better with the rebellion. And at that time, uh, he was kind of following the lead of his sister, Stila Guerrera, who is a character that many wouldn't be familiar with. But um, she would have been a wonderful leader within the rebellion. And, you know, throughout the Clone Wars, there's there's some things that take place that, uh, you know, separate the two of them. And, and that is really what leads to Saw Guerrero becoming such an extremist. Yeah, it definitely points him down that path. And then just as things happen, he just gradually splits off more and more for the re- rebellion part that's kind of working on diplomacy, kind of trying to do things more on the up and up. And he is, yes, like you said, he is a, he's part of the rebellion, but he's an extremist part of the rebellion, right. a terrorist, essentially. And, and, you know, and you could argue that, and, and that's one of the things about Rogue One that's interesting is that, you know, through so many of the Star Wars films, we saw, you know, it was light side, dark side there was no gray and rogue one we very much saw the gray area and kind of in both sides but especially in what was considered the light side of the force right yeah i totally agree i mean you realize that even even those fighting for what was a pure cause were doing things that uh, were definitely questionable Mm -hmm. to achieve it absolutely Awesome. So anyone else that you guys think should get mentioned? Uh, certainly we've got some great candidates so, so far. I, I, I We have to mention Padme Amidala just oh, because, yeah. I mean, oh, that, yeah. yeah, I mean, yes, the, some of her, there were some character flaws within the prequel films and, you know, some things that didn't seem right with her character within it. But the bottom line with her is that she was another one, just like her daughter, who stood up for the right thing who dedicated her life politically and, and physically to doing the right thing, you know, serving as queen, serving as a Senator, uh, you know, there were ideals within it. Now, you know, there were some things that George did with the character that I think we would all disagree with necessarily. That wasn't the way she should have possibly been portrayed. Cause we just didn't see the way she was built to act in the way that she did. But right. she was a super strong female character. Yeah, she was yeah. a comfortable leader for sure. I mean, you see that in in you know the episode one where she even you know kneels down to say, "Hey, we all need to be in this together," and and you know I'm humbling myself to be an equal with you. Yeah, and you can definitely see the you know the roots of what became Princess Leia in the sense mm-hmm. that she had that diplomatic side. And she was very well spoken and she certainly was comfortable approaching issues that way. But she was also uh, a warrior at heart as well. And when the time came to take action, she wasn't afraid to do that. And 
to Tom's point, I mean, the interesting thing about her is that another character where in the films and especially through the films, the jump that she makes going from uh, the person you saw in episode one to the person who was in episode two and three, it was a little bit jarring uh, to see how mm-hmm. kind of the, the her reason and her morality got twisted by her relationship with Anakin. But if you're watching the animated series, you see a lot more mm-hmm, of, true. you know, the, the real fiber of who she was. And again, it's, you know, if, if she's the first person that's made bad decisions based on being in love, then I guess probably the rest of us shouldn't have much to say. Right? <laughs> Very true. Very true. Terrific. So, yeah, I'm glad you brought her up. I, I did have her down as someone to talk about. I just overlooked it. So. Just, there, you know, it, this. what's interesting about the Star Wars universe is that it came from being to the first couple films like Princess Leia was pretty much the one female you really right. saw take any role into it. And it's developed over time. And you've seen some of these characters come into fruition within the Star Wars universe. It's become much more well-rounded. It's become uh, just a, a better, more inclusive environment. And the, there are so many strong female characters now that it's it's easy to you know, maybe forget one or you know even though if you bring up the name you're like oh yeah that's right she was great as well there are so many great ones out there now and it's great to see within the star wars universe you know part of the issue is that you know that a lot of the star wars fans that are out there and probably a lot of the people listening to this podcast the only thing that you can really expect people have have seen is for the most part the films and when you have some of these amazing characters that you know barely even get mentioned in the films, uh, it's hard to talk about them in depth without you know potentially spoiling some of their storyline. And I'd like to steer clear of doing that. Um, although you know uh, we're gonna we're gonna have our opportunities with things like the episodes we're doing on Ahsoka, and certainly we'll right. have other characters that we approach. But um, yeah, I mean, I I would love for more people to get engaged in some of these other shows mm-hmm. where they can really right. start to see how deep these characters are so yeah and and by the way the mandalorian looks like we're gonna get another strong female character in that when that comes out in november on uh, disney plus as well i'm not gonna mess with her so (laughs) yeah no way no way (laughs) well terrific i if you guys don't have anything else i think we can go ahead and wrap up the segment again i really appreciate you taking time out especially on mother's day um so you guys have a lovely evening and a nice dinner with your mom tom thank you rob appreciate you having us on again and uh, honored please please pass along to kim a very happy mother's day Will do. You guys have a great evening. Thank you. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. All right. So thanks again to Tom and Michelle from Hyperion Adventures Podcast for joining us today for that segment. Uh, If you have not listened to Hyperion Adventures, if you're into Disney or Disney-related content at all, I would definitely recommend their podcast. Uh, You can find it on pretty much any of the podcast platforms out there. Uh, They also have accounts out on Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, and I believe they just added Pinterest as well. So Give them a look up on any of those platforms. Uh, Definitely weigh in, listen to some of their shows. And if you like them, tell a friend. I know they always appreciate that as well. But what we will do now is we're going to go ahead and jump over into the Holonet News Stories of the Week. And there are really three primary stories uh, that jumped out this week that I wanted to bring to everyone's attention. The first is that uh, Lucasfilm announced uh, end of last weekend, just after we had released the show, that there is going to be an entire series of books, comic books, etc., that are leading up to the release of Episode 9, The Rise of Skywalker. And those are going to start coming out in October of this year. There's going to be some that are going to be young adult novels, some that are uh, for adults, some that are uh, comics. So 
definitely go out and look for those if you're into any of that kind of content. It's going to lay in a lot of uh, the, the events that take place between the end of The Last Jedi and the beginning of The Rise of Skywalker. And uh, it'll put you in a position where you really can walk into the theater to watch the film and, and kind of be up to speed on what's going on. So uh, certainly advise that you take a look at that. Um, the next news story, and actually both of these next two news stories are going to be specific to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. The first of which is that um, the Disneyland uh, Galaxy's Edge opening is coming up here on May 31st. And one of the things that they were doing between May 31st and June 23rd is allowing guests to sign up for a four-hour window to visit the land. And it they released some information this week that uh, that's going to be done via a series of uh, wristbands that guests are going to get. And based on the individual wristband you get, it'll dictate how long you can be in the land for. And they announced that one of the ways that they're going to enforce this is through the stormtroopers that are going to be wandering throughout the land. So if they recognize the fact that you're in the land past your allotted time, uh, they will confront you, quote unquote, not in a confrontational way, I'm sure. Uh, and you'll be escorted out of the land by your stormtrooper detachment. Lucas, uh, not Lucasfilm, but Disney did say that they're not really going to discuss much about anything that will be done if guests resist leaving the land. Uh, I think it's safe to say that there will be no disintegrations, but I would certainly expect that most guests are not going to put up uh, much of a fuss. Uh, I think four-hour window is very generous, and I think, you know, for the most part, people are going to be able to get done what they want to get done within that time frame. Now, also, in regards to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, the other information that was released was uh, essentially all the information on the food and beverage that are going to be available within the land. And uh, if you follow uh, Jedi Temple Archives out on Pinterest, I know my wife had put uh, a little blurb out there to look forward to me attempting to pronounce some of this food and drink. So I guess wish me luck on that account. So what we've got here is uh, within Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, there's a number of different establishments that are going to be selling food and beverage. So the first location to get food within Star Wars Galaxy's Edge is called Docking Bay 7 Food and Cargo. It is essentially a transport shuttle that's going to be docked on top of a large hangar. And uh, this is the location that's going to be run by a character named Chef Strano Cookie Tugs. So if you're uh, visiting Docking Bay 7, the various items that you're going to have available within there are a number of entrees. The first of which is smoked cadu ribs, which are sticky pork ribs with a blueberry corn muffin and a cabbage slaw. There's fried Andorian tip yip which is crispy chicken served with roasted vegetable, potato mash, and herb gravy, and yob shrimp noodle salad, which is chilled shrimp with marinated noodles and vegetables. They also have roasted Andorian tip yip salad, which is, again, anytime you hear tip yip, just translate that to chicken. Uh, it's going to be marinated chicken with mixed greens, roasted seasonal vegetables, quinoa, pumpkin seeds, and a green curry ranch. Then they have a few items that are specific to depending on what time of day you go in. Uh, for lunch only, they're going to have a Felucian garden spread, uh, which is plant-based kefta served with herb hummus, tomato, cucumber, relish, and pita. And for dinner, they're going to have a couple additional options. One is the braised shack roast, which is a beef pot roast with cavatelli uh, pasta, wilted kale, and mushrooms, and an Ithorian garden loaf. So... 
Uh, this is a plant-based meatloaf with roasted vegetable, potato mash, seasonal vegetables, and mushroom sauce. For dessert at that particular location, there are two options. The first is an oi oi puff, which is raspberry cream puff with passion fruit mousse, and a batubon, which is chocolate cake with white chocolate mousse and coffee custard. Um, they also have a couple of kids' meals. Uh, essentially, one is going to be a chilled shrimp dish with noodles, vegetables, and a sweet orange dressing, uh, item called the Taste of Takadana, uh, which is the planet that Maz Kanata uh, resided on in Force Awakens, and that's a black bean hummus with edible soil with nuts, chilled dipped vegetables, and multi-grain crisps, and then a fried andorian tip-yip, which is again that crispy chicken with macaroni and cheese and seasonal vegetables. They also have a couple of specialty beverages at this location that don't have alcohol, the first of which is Moof Juice, which is uh, Simply Fruit Punch and Simply Orange with a Chipotle Pineapple, and a Fatro, uh, which is Gold Peak Unsweetened Tea with Adwala Lemonade and Desert Pear, and a Batubuka Tea, which is Suja Pineapple Passion Fruit Kombucha. Moving on to the next location, we've got Oga's Cantina, which is, uh, again, run by the head of the Black Spire Outpost Underworld, a character named Oga Gera. And uh, this particular location is also going to be the location where uh, anyone who's familiar with DJ Rex, prior, uh, previously from Star Tours, uh, is going to be spinning tunes as the DJ for this particular establishment. And this location is going to have both alcoholic and non-alcoholic beverages. So on the alcoholic side, uh, they have some specialties that are only going to be available in the morning. Uh, the first of which is a spear and calf, which is uh, Peru Alto Mayo Organic Joffrey's Coffee with orange marmalade, rum, vanilla whipped cream, and citrus zest. And then another beverage called the Bloody Rancor, uh, which is vodka, chili liqueur, spicy Bloody Mary mix, and a rancor bone. Now, in the evening and afternoon, they're going to have some additional beverages, the first of which is the Fuzzy Tauntaun, uh, which is a peach vodka with peach schnapps, orange juice with tangerine, pure cane sugar, and buzz foam. A Jedi Mind Trick, which is grapefruit and rose vodka with falernum, blue curacao, white grape juice, lime juice, and grapefruit bitters. The Outer Rim, which is silver tequila, acai liqueur, lime juice, pure cane sugar, black salt, and an exotic fruit puree. They also have the T-16 Skyhopper, which is vodka, melon liqueur, kiwi, and half and half. They have a Dagobah Slug Slinger, uh, which is Reposado tequila, blue curacao, citrus juices, ginger, herbs, and bitters. Jet Juice, for the bourbon lovers out there, that's bourbon, chili liqueur, acai liqueur, white grape juice, and lemon juice. The Yub Nub, which is pineapple rum, spice rum, citrus juices, and passion fruit. And a Bespin Fizz, which is rum, yuzu puree, pomegranate juice, white cranberry juice, and a cloud swirl. Now, on the non-alcoholic side, they have some morning specialties, which include Black Spire Brew, which is just the Joffrey's Coffee, uh, with honey, falernum, passion fruit, and citrus. That's a cold brew coffee. Uh, they have Mugen Tea, which is Gold Peak Unsweetened Tea with chocolate milk, vanilla, and cinnamon. A terrine tea, which is, again, the gold peak unsweetened tea with peach, huckleberry, and mint. And a blue bantha, which is blue milk served with chilled and bantha-inspired vanilla butter sugar cookie. 
Uh, for the afternoon and evening specialties, they have the Cliff Dweller, which is citrus juices, coconut, hibiscus grenadine, and Seagram's ginger ale. They have Hyperdrive, also uh, with the additional Punch It, uh, which is Powerade Mountain Berry Blast with white cranberry juice, black cherry puree, and Sprite. They have Java Juice, which is simply orange with pineapple, kiwi, cantaloupe, and blueberry popping pearls. They have the Blue Bantha, which is, again, the blue milk served chilled with a Bantha-inspired vanilla butter sugar cookie, and a Blurg Fire with lemonade, pomegranate juice, and habanero lime. So if you have uh, anyone who likes a little bit of a pop in their beverage, that would be a great one. And finally, the Carbon Freeze, which is Powerade Lemon Lime, Wild Strawberry, Blueberry, and Green Apple Popping Pears. Uh, they also have what is called the Oga's Obsession, which is lemonade, cotton candy flavor, blueberry popping pearls, and a bursting dried fruit mixture. Uh, they also have four beers on tap that were brewed specifically for Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, which are Gold Squadron Lager, the White Wampa Ale, Gamorian Ale, and Bad Motivator IPA. They have a custom-brewed uh, cider on tap, which is called the Spice Runner Hard Cider. And they have a couple of wines for consumption at that location as well. One is called Tonneray Wine, and the other is Imperial Guard. They don't really provide any information here uh, in the article that I'm looking at on uh, what type of wine those are, although I do believe that they have some information uh, out on their website. Now, in addition to these two locations, there are a few locations that can be found within the Black Spire Outpost Market. Uh, the main one is going to be Ronto Roasters, and this is going to be kind of a Galaxy's Edge-inspired barbecue joint, um, which is going to have a couple of items called the Ronto Wrap, which is a roasted pork and grilled sausage with peppercorn sauce and tangy slaw wrapped in a pita. And then the Nuna Turkey Jerky with an uh, option for either sweet or spicy. They also have some specialty beverages. Uh, first is the Tatooine Sunset with Gold Peak Unsweetened Tea, Adwal Lemonade, Melon, and Blueberry. They have a Sour Sarlacc, which is Minute Maid Limeade, Raspberry, and Spicy Mango. And then Myluroon Juice, which is Pineapple, Simply Lemonade with Blueberry, White Cranberry Juice, Lemon Juice, and Desert Pear. Uh, additionally, there are a couple of stands within the marketplace that you may want to take note of. The first is called the milk stand. And within the milk stand, here you can get a blue milk, a green milk, or the Bubo Wamba Family Farms Novelty Drink Vessel. And these are frozen plant-based blends of coconut and rice milk. Again, this is uh, something we referred to last week, which is going to be kind of more like a shake than an actual milk. Uh, so it should be refreshing within Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Uh, and the final location is Katsaka's Kettle. Again, this is within the Black Spire uh, market area. And they're going to have an Outpost popcorn mix, which is a colorful blend of sweet and spicy popcorn, which is popped in coconut oil. Uh, they're going to have a MSE 6 Series Repair Droid Souvenir Popcorn Vessel that this comes in. And you can also get some specialty bottled beverages at this location, including Coke, Diet Coke, Sprite, and Dasani Water. And these are going to be served in um, kind of like an orb-like container for the Coca-Cola beverages. And then the Dasani bottle uh, looks a lot like a standard bottled water. Uh, but all of these have the name of the beverage written in Oribesh, which is the Star Wars alphabet on the outside of them. So it's going to definitely have that Star Wars feel to it. Uh, so what I would encourage is if you're not familiar with any of these food offerings, definitely go look at them online. Check them out. 
Uh, they look very good for, for guests that are familiar with the Disney parks and have visited since Pandora has been open over at Animal Kingdom. Uh, if you've eaten at the Satuli Canteen, the food looks very much on par with that. Um, and that is actually one of the best places to eat on property currently. Uh, so I have no reason to expect that the the options within Star Wars Galaxy's Edge won't be equally good. And uh, I think it's definitely going to be interesting to eat that in a very immersive environment. It's definitely going to uh, kind of add another layer to it. So that's all we've got for this week for the news. Uh, thanks for joining us and uh, listening in. If you have any questions or uh, thoughts about how we can make the show better, definitely reach out to us. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review uh, as that helps our future listeners find us. And uh, if you'd be so kind as to mention us to a friend, that'll help grow our listenership as well. Uh, if you need to get a hold of us, we can be reached at jtapodcast at gmail.com and also at jtapodcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Thanks so much for listening, and may the Force be with you.